us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Thank you that you're unifying your body, Father. Thank you that we're hearing your voice. Your word is being declared and it's speaking clearly to us today. Thank you that your word has great life, God life within it, and today we receive an injection of God life today. Father, thank you that you're breathing upon individuals, Lord, as your body is being built, as your body is getting stronger, Lord, all over this city and this nation, Lord, and around the world. Your word is being declared, Father. Your body is being built. I thank you today, Father, that your voice is being heard in every nation, in every city. Father, that your body is rising to action once again. We declare war on darkness in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, that we are victorious, that we are overcomers, and that we are reigning and ruling with you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to church. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. How awesome is that? And Corey on the keys right there. How's the... I know. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to invite Steve Ulrich to come up to the platform right now. And uh, Steve uh, leads a ministry that we've been part of for a long time. Hey, Steve, you got that service mic? Just grab that. Grab the mic over there. Uh, called EMI, Engineering Ministries International. Yeah, I know, and, and, and he's it, him and, him and Barb and, uh, and their team. So tell us about EMI a little bit and how long you've been in Canada and kind of with us, I guess. Yeah, well, we've been here since the fall of 2002. So 15 ne- years. Next to you and Joni and, and Jay, I guess, we're, we're right there with you guys. <laughs> you are. We've been following Pastor Lauren and Kelly yeah. for a long time, and we're still yes. loving it. So thanks. Yes. And thank you for the support that you have given us over the yes. years, Barb and I. My wife, yes. Barb, over here. Um, EMI is a group that started in 1982 in Colorado Springs. So you can see from here, we now have 10 world offices from that one start in 1982. And in 2002, I returned from the U.S. and started the Canada office. So what Lauren asked us to do is just share a little bit about what does EMI do. Well, EMI is a group of volunteers, architects, engineers, uh, sort of the electrical, structural, civil is our key people. And uh, we travel to third world countries, developing world countries is politically correct term. Um, to do all kinds of projects. So we bring a team of people in the lower right there uh, to a project based on what they need. So in this particular case, this, this woman here has trying to follow the, the vision of her father who was a, a rather famous evangelist in Argentina. Which this project's in Argentina. So in the top left corner okay, right there, is yeah. Miguel... Yep. Segovia, and he's passed away now, and his daughter never really wanted to be involved in the ministry, but as he was dying in those latter days, yep. months, yep. she yep. felt that it was her duty, and the husband or the father also thought that she was the one to carry on the ministry. So yep. now we are serving her and her husband, Luis, in the top right-hand corner, to do a school for, now it's just a school, but 
It's a special school. It's going to be a private Christian school for kids that can't afford to go to school. Wow. So it'll be a free school for these kids in this poor neighborhood. And, and you and do the engineering for it and the architecture? Is that what you're doing? Is that so what we would do is uh, do the design for the school, which you can yep. kind of see in the middle picture. The top right-hand corner is what we found when we arrived, just that big building. And so... What you see in the other slides is what our team came up with. Now, our team only travels for 10 to 12 days, so mm -hmm. all of that happened in a week because everybody we need to design the project is there. This work would, would take three to four months here right. to do this much design work. So wow. this is who we serve, and uh, Barb and I have been serving since 97. I wanted to share one thing that Natasha said last week. Okay. Um, she said that if there's something that bothers you in the world, maybe it's an urge that you should get involved. That's yes, right. And that's right. how I felt in 96. We were in the Philippines um, <clears throat> on a mission trip with YWAM, and I didn't want to come home. So that's, that's what I felt was that urge to help somehow. So as an architect, I felt there was stuff I could do in missions to, to help those causes. So we don't do any work in North America, sorry. All our work is out there where there's a little less liability and we can just do stuff. So, Steve. Say it. <laughs> so uh, I'll have a few bits of information at the uh, information desk out there for anybody who wants to ask some more questions. Thanks, Lauren. We believe in Steve and What do you think of that, eh? What they do. Just another one of the extraordinary people that are part of our church body, and you may not have known it if you wouldn't have shared that great story. And so every one of you have a story, and you're doing great things, I know. But now and again, we just like to mention some, some people. So that's Steve from EMI. Really exciting. Thank you, Steve. Um, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 4. Um, we're in a series uh, one by one. Yesterday, we had a a time here called Increase, and where we informed all of our leaders, and that was a phenomenal day, really was. And Janelle and Tim Melissa and Joanne organized that, and um, we're just trying to um, equip leaders and, and, and inform them of stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm Brittany and Steve, of course, sorry. Right, which is why I don't often, yeah, so we don't want to forget anybody in this. <laughs> By the way, who was that guy doing the offering? That was decent. Man, pretty proud of my kids. Um, anyway, great, great day. Thank you for hosting that and people who came, took their Saturday mornings to come and be informed. Um, really, really exciting. I'm going to share with you a true story now. Um, true story. Well, most of my stories are true, actually. <laughs> you, you, can, you should be able to trust my stories, but some of them are a little far-fetched, so they may not, but they're mostly kind of true. But so, so we're, we're, we're going to renovate our kitchen, and um, in doing so, we were shopping for appliances, and... Um, I w we were at the appliance store, and um, I went to, uh, you know, we're, we're, you're pretty focused on what you're doing, and I, I, I scurried down to the washroom in the washroom. I'm sitting in the washroom, and, and I, notice, I notice that there's a, there's a little uh, box that says um, feminine products, you know? <laughs> and I go, I go, this, this, okay, the world's gone crazy. It's absolutely gone crazy. Here I am, using the washroom, and they've got the, and, and when are they going to straighten this male-female thing out? And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. And then I heard the toilet flush, and I just looked outside. Hey, there's no urinals in this. <laughs> so I sneak out the door. <laughs> but, but I don't know if you've ever, 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 
you know, wondered what's going on with this world and why is it so crazy? And maybe the part that's crazy is just you. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so this is what happens. And I need to share with you a very, very, a very specific word this morning. Um, that was, the, forget the story, okay? And remember the word. The word, the, this word is this, is that, is that one thing that really upsets me is when people try to tell me that the Bible doesn't work, that the word isn't alive, or that it's not sharp and powerful like a two-edged sword, because, because I personally believe that the word works. But what often doesn't is me. That it, if the word's not working, it's not the word's fault. That the onus lies on me. And so there is, there, there's often, I find, there's double revelations that take place at the same time. Uh, there is a revelation of Christ in you, but there's just as powerfully a revelation of you in Christ. And they happen at the same time. There's a revelation of greatness and servanthood. But you need both of them to understand servanthood is greatness. There's a revelation of the local church and a revelation of marriage. The two go together. If you don't have a revelation of marriage, you won't have a revelation of the local church. Because Ephesians 5 said this is a picture of Christ and his church, the bride. So the revelation of Christ in you and you in Christ, that's what I want to talk about today. And, and most importantly, I want to talk about the, the unchanging word. How that technically we don't, we, we don't break a commandment. A commandment will eventually break us. So, so when I read about, uh, here's the thing on my heart I want to pray for this morning is jobs. I want to pray for people or people that you know that don't have jobs. So I want to share. So I want to talk, just introduce my topic a little bit by, by um, talking about the day that Jesus changed careers. There was a moment he changed careers. And in Luke chapter 4, it gives us that story. Before, when he went into the wilderness, so he was baptized, then he went into the wilderness, and he dealt with temptation the way you and I need to deal with temptation, by using the word. And he used the word in the, in the desert, and it says when he came out of the desert, he came out and returned filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And soon he became well known throughout the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Verse 16, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, I'll, I'll read it from here, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue, which was his custom, Jesus went to church, on the Sabbath, which would have been Saturday, and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is how I prepare sermons. I take the scripture and find out where's Christ in the scripture. I don't, typically don't teach expositionally, go through a book of the Bible or something. I see uh, when God begins to speak to me from part of the word, I look where, and I, like, I think it's Jesus style, I look to where's Christ in this. And then it say, he said this, and he shared the good news to five groups of people, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And the spirit of the Lord is upon each one of you and I because he's appointed us for a task of some kind. 
For, and for Christ, it was to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who were oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There was five groups of people that the good news was for, specifically. So if you were poor, what would good news be? <clears throat> if you were brokenhearted, what would good news be? This is, this is the power of the gospel. If, the, if your gospel doesn't have power, it's not the gospel. That Paul was unashamed of the gospel because it had power. So I don't know what your situation is, but like my son said, where, there, where you are without hope or where there is darkness, there is light. And the good news is that light has come. So if you were poor, the good news is that you no longer need to be poor. That's hard for many people to get. That's very difficult for people to get. But if you read through the scriptures, you'll find that he who was rich became poor that we could become rich. I don't, I don't know what your definition of rich is, but I'm just saying, if you're poor, you can, you can over-spiritualize that if you want, be poor in heart. Or, but, but if you're poor, the good news is you no longer have to be poor. That's a powerful statement. I hope you believe it. And if you're brokenhearted, here's the good news. You can be healed. If you are captive, you can be liberated and set free. If you are blind, you can recover sight. On every level, because I personally believe what he means by recovering sight is not just if you're physically blind, but if you're spiritually blind as well. And you may say, well, I can see this morning. Well, maybe there's a fresh perspective for you. That's good news, that things aren't the way they seem. That's really good news, because there actually may be another way of looking at something. Have you thought of that? That if you are unable to see things the way they really are, that the good news is you can get a fresh perspective of how things really are. That's, that's, that's really good news. And then that there was going to be, proclaim that it's jubilee. All debts are paid. If you, if you believe that God really continually and consistently wants you in debt, you need to understand one of the reasons Jesus came was to liberate you from all debt. Year, year jubilee. That's a, those, are, those are big beliefs. Now, this is the day that Jesus changed his occupation. Because before this time, he was a blue-collar worker. His hands would have been calloused, and his forearms would have been ripped. He made benches, chairs, tables, quite likely. His hands would have been very calloused, and, uh, and, and he, was, he worked with his hands. And this was most of his adult life. But one day he changed jobs, and the Bible doesn't tell us what prompted that specifically. It doesn't say what his parents thought of that whole idea. But he said, as was his custom, as he comes into his hometown, and he looks through the, the, the scriptures that were handed to him from Isaiah. And he finds where this specific point is written. And then you keep reading and it says, and then he sat down, which, which was a symbol of rabbis when they have, that, that this now is true in your hearing. He sat down. So Christ did after he finished his work, right? He's seated now. So, so this is interesting to me because Jesus was actually, he's declaring himself and proclaiming himself from no longer being a carpenter, but being a rabbi. 
You won't find the term rabbi in the Old Testament. There was no rabbis in the Old Testament. This was, this was quite a, an interesting thing in the life of, of Israel. Because while other countries were looking for kings and heroes, what did Israel have to offer? A teacher, a rabbi. We've got an army. So you, you, if you looked at the world powers at that time, Egypt would have been incredibly wealthy. Phoenicia would have had lots of big, beautiful ships. Greece would have had this great culture. Rome would have had armies as well. What does Israel have? Mm, they got a book. You see how, see the irony in this? And so Jesus, he says, I've got a book. I've got a word. Why? Because he was the word. This is who he was. And so, so he sits down and everybody then wants to, they want to throw him off a cliff. Kate. So if this was my first sermon, that, that would have been a discouraging little move right there. He's got a word, and he shares the word, and he becomes known as rabbi. But typically what rabbis would do is they would teach, and what they would do is they would reference other rabbis. Well, R Rabbi Yochan would say, would say, interpret this scripture like this, or Rabbi so-and-so would interpret like this. Jesus never referenced any rabbi in his teaching. Here's what he would do. He would say this. He would say, truly, and sometimes he'd double down and say, truly, truly, I say unto you. Right? Here, here's what he's saying. He says, I know how this plays out, everybody. Listen. Because he was the word. He didn't need to reference anyone. He was self-referenced as the living word. This is a really powerful image for us to get. 75 times he says through the New Testament, truly I say unto you. What do you think when the word of God not only is preached, and, and this happens many times, people will say, I'd like a word from God. I, I say, are you in his word now? Because don't think that any other word is going to contradict this word. You want a word from God, you take the Bible. <laughs> That's what you do. It's that simple. And now he may use other people. And gladly and hopefully, and I'm, I appreciate the body of Christ and the different voices in the kingdom of God. But if you want a word from God, it's right here. Right? And it still speaks. That's a powerful, powerful idea. Jesus was the word. The Bible says that we go from faith to faith. I love that. We don't go from faith to fear. We go from faith to faith. And it's how we grow. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says that this is, this is the, the path of the right, righteous. The, the mountains need to come down and the valleys need to come up. This is a word for somebody today. Your life no longer needs to be like this. As a follower of Christ, you become more steady and more stable. You don't get wacky up one day and down the next. That, this is the path of a follower of Christ. The older we get, the steadier we get. The more convinced and convicted we are of truths that we have lived out in our lives. This is, this is the inheritance of a man or woman of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 over 17 says that. 
What does that mean? Does faith come by hearing or does it come by the word of God? I know. How's your hearing? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Think about it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you see how powerful the word of God is? Like you need to sit with that for a moment, order yourself a triple tall and go, what's he saying? Because that's a mind blower. That is a game changer, that right there. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. Well, what, what, from the word or from hearing? Yes. It's a double revelation. Isn't that, is that awesome? Is that, is that, so faith comes by hearing. Are you getting what I'm saying? And hearing by the word of God. I know, I just, I, I look out my window and I go, the word is so powerful. It's like Jesus just sits down now after saying that, and I go, wow. Because the word has just now impacted my spirit. It's woken up something because my spirit knows. My spirit is 100% Holy Spirit. So now in me, I know that this word is true. You know what in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, the Lord says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. He has thoughts that are towards you. Did you know that? They're not of you, you pretty little thing you. <laughs> I know we think his thoughts are all about us. Yeah, yeah. No, but he has thoughts towards you. My question is, are you picking up his thoughts towards you, or are you picking up just your thoughts towards you? Because once I get his thoughts about me, I get whole. That's one of his missions of the word, is to bind up the brokenhearted. How does he do that? By his word. And his, how, does his, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the word. When I hear the word, now there's something inside of me that goes, yes! And I get free. This is a beautiful truth. I'm warming up for something, because I need to tell you something this morning. Words are weapons. Words are weapons. You know that the world was created by words. And it's still under that mandate. That creation still functions according to words. Did you know that? That's how it was formed, and it still obeys words. Your words are weapons. Your words are weapons. So when life and death is in the power of the tongue, there's no in-between. It's life or death are in the power of the tongue. Isn't that phenomenal? You mean my words then are either life or death. Mm -hmm, that's what I said. That's what I read. That's what I believe. That, so, so we grew up here in six and stones, gonna break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I, I, honestly, I'd way rather have a stick or a stone because words are so powerful. I, yeah, give me the stick. But words, they begin to get into your head and they, get, they, they begin to mess with your perspective. And pretty soon now where you, somebody has said a word and then you've taken that little word, word and you've created a whole world around it. And that's called, biblically, that's called a vain imagination. Because it's not rooted in anything, it's rooted in your imagination that largely is vain. You're so vain, you probably think this sermon's about you. <laughs> I couldn't help it. 
I'm a 70s child, just let me, let me enjoy my world. So our, our words are powerful, and the word of God is powerful. This one, I'm, I'm trying to make some sense out of this this morning, because people asked me, some, somebody called us this week, we had a FaceTime, the young couple that are making a big decision in their life, I said, do you have a word from God? He said, what do you mean? I'm, I said, really? You don't know what it means to get a word from God? That means you get into the word, and then you let that word get into you. That's what it means. I said, do you have a word from God? He said, no, I'm trying to make a decision. I said, you need a word to make a decision. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, the Bible says that your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. His word will direct you. Did you know that? That's a radical thought. You're trying to make a decision, and you're asking him and her and phone and so-and-so and this one and looking on FaceTime for who likes you, and you go like, hold it. What about the word? <laughs> I, know you, I know you know that you've heard this before. I'm just stirring up your holy imagination once again and, and helping remind you of a critical thing in our life. The word has the ability to bring life. The word, he sends his word to heal. I, my name is Lauren. I am healed because I have a word. That's who, I, that's, that's who we are. We're people of the word. So his word gives life. When I find faith, I find direction. God has spoken and he still speaks. Not only is his word, our words weapons, our words are seeds. Matthew, Mark chapter four says that the word is a seed. And here's what, here's what can happen on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, I can confirm what the Lord has been speaking to you through the week. That can happen. Maybe it's happening right now. You know what that is? That's a word for you. You say, man, I read it this week. He's saying it this morning. Uh, hello. That's how it works. The word works. So when we need to think of words as seeds, they're seeds, and there's incredible power in seeds. If you see in Isaiah 54 and verse 17, it says there's no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. What's he referring to? Words. So you don't, when the words come at you, that's because the next point, the next the rest of that sentence, it says, and any word that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Don't wait for the Lord to condemn the word. You condemn it. You say, that word against me in judgment doesn't need to live in here. You don't even entertain it for any longer than you heard it. Okay, boom, done. And some people get offended with that. If you say, I don't think I'm going to receive that right now. Yeah, well, you're the one that you're letting them plant seeds in your garden. And you know what the seeds do? Germinate. Have you... I'm telling you stuff you already know. But some of you already, but you, you want me to pray for crop failure, but you're watering these weed seeds. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Words are weapons. Um, there's a two-part process here that I just want to remind us of, and I come down the back stretch on this in John chapter 15 and verse 7. I've done a little bit of work on this. Here's what it says. It says, if you abide in me, the in brackets is me. That's me. He's, if you abide in Jesus, that's what Jesus is speaking. It's not the Lord. But the brackets is me. Because the word joined or abide means to stay joined. So he says, if you will abide in me, the word, and my words abide in you, then your words will have a significant power because you can ask whatever you like and it'll be done unto you. Isn't that like, that's revolutionary. 
that when I am abiding and I'm joined together with Christ and his words are joined together and connected with me, then my words will have a significant power that they would not have had if I were not joined with him and his words were not living in me. This, this is another triple tall moment where you go, holy cow, this is big. Does the word work? Yes, but not if you don't. We have to work the word, work it, honey. You've got to work the word. Okay, so he says, if you would abide in me, and my words would abide in you. You can then ask whatever you want and it'll be done unto you. And some people get on the point number three and they haven't covered point one and two. Yeah, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking. Okay, well, sorry, honey, because there's a, there's a symmetry to this. All right, are you abiding in Christ? Like, is his, are, are you experiencing his supernatural peace? Do you have his, his, this, this immersion of love? Do you feel his hope, right, like to the bone? Okay, so if you're abiding in him and you're living in him, you're in Christ and Christ is in you. If you are in that relationship and his word is becoming so much a part of you that it's become part of your flesh, it says, okay, now watch what happens to your prayer life. Watch what happens to your circumstances because you don't need to be under them. You, the, the world that's created around you, you can now speak to because the words that I put in your mouth, they're weapons. You become powerful. If you would stay connected to Christ and Christ stays connected to you. The word abide is the word men, meno. It means to be kept and held continually. And when he was referring to the word here, the word is rhema. And the rhema word, I like to think as a, it's spoken by a living voice. Today, my words are rhema. They're spoken by a living voice. It doesn't mean, my, my understanding of the Greek word rhema doesn't mean that's God's word spoken. It means it's a living word spoken. So in, in classic Greek, that's what it meant. It was someone living who spoke a word. When God's word speaks to you, it's like somebody has just spoken to you. So has he spoken? Yes. And does he still speak? Yes. This is the miracle of the word. Okay. So how do I get that word to work? Very important. The the art and timing of carrying a word. This is very, very important. And this point for you is the critical, the most salient. I've, all that introduction was to say this to you. Because what happens is when a word, uh, like a seed or like a weapon or like a force, it enters our heart, it can be stolen or it can be nurtured. So here's how we get words to work. Um, and it's the same, it's, it's very similar to being pregnant. When somebody, I've had to explain this to a few people, like, because we get pregnant with the word. Well, it didn't happen because you were just sitting beside that person. Something had to happen. Are you, it's a PG, I'm just saying. So, you understand the biology of all this, right? It took a seed. And then that seed was hidden for a long time. The gestation period typically is about nine months, and it stays hidden, right? What's happening to that seed? It's growing where? Hidden. It's the same when the Word of God, you get pregnant with the Word of God, it begins to impregnate you, but you have to carry and care for that Word before it gets birth. 
And someone says, you know, well, I had this prophetic word over me. Some say, yeah, I said, okay, where is that word? Are you bringing it? Are you nurturing that word? Is it still alive within you? Oh, you let it die. Well, it's not the word's fault. I'm just waking us up to some personal responsibility of allowing the word to work. And when the word is within you, it has power and it'll grow. But you've got to tend to it. And if you don't tend to it, so there's somebody who wants to steal. It's called the enemy. And he'll steal your word. Okay. So when we get pregnant, we've got to carry it. First uh, Samuel chapter 1, Hannah is so desperate. And in her, her intercession, the, the, the leader of the prayer meeting says she is looped. She's so desperate. He looks at her and says, you've been drinking, ma'am. She says, no, 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 no. I'm in travail. But then something happened. Well, what's the deal? Well, I want a son. So then what does she do? What happens after that? Here's what happens after that. She leaves different. It says that her face changed. Why? Because she got a word. Did you know that? For Samuel. It says, he says, because the leader of the prayer meeting said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant you your petition as you have asked. Did she get a son? No, she got a word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And something changed about her from that point on. When you get a word, something should change in you. Okay, so let me give you the fundamentals on this. First, the preparation of the soil. Prayer. This may seem very obvious to some of you, but when you get a word, it needs to be nurtured in prayer. When you say amen, that means you agree with me. Amen. Yeah, so it, mean, it, it literally means so be it. And when we say amen together, we become the so be it union. It's just like that. <laughs> So, so what we need to do is we need to pray the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know because I know what happens. People keep praying the circumstance. That's what happens. So the second thing about prayer is you need, you need to be aware of your words. Why? Because your words are creating your worlds. You need to be very aware of your words. I love public prayer meetings because I get to hear what's going on in people's worlds. I listen. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a teacher pray? They, it's in, in, in prayer, they're, they're, so they're teaching God. Have you heard that? Lord, your word in Luke chapter 17, it says this, and this is what it means in Luke chapter 17. It means that when you do this, and, and so, Lord, it's such an amazing thing that because in Luke chapter 17 it says this, and now this is what it means. They, when teachers pray, they, they teach. I'm not a teacher. But, I, but, but here's, here's what the second thing that has to happen is your words have to change. Your vocabulary, which is your weapons, it needs to change. So when you get a word, your words need to change. I'm just saying, when you get a word, your words need to change. Some of you are writing that down right now because it's important. When you get a word, your words need to change. I know. Because do you, want, you know that the book of Ephesians, it's all written in past tense. We, we, it doesn't say, well, someday you'll have spiritual blessings. It says right now you have spiritual blessings. I tell you, this, a bit, this, is, a, this is a mind blower for me. Because I thought my healing was in the future. It's not. My healing is in the past. This is like, this is, honestly, this is, the, I feel the earth move under my feet right now. Huh? No, but here's, here's why. Because, because your prayers, after you've got a word, needs to start to change. 
And rather than you praying for your children, rather than you praying for your future, rather than you praying for your family, now you begin to pray the word about your family, the word that's spoken over your finances, the words that's over your children. Not you're not praying about them now, you're praying the words over them that they have, that you already have. Now you're praying the words over them. You're not praying for, you're not praying for a job now, you're thanking the Lord for the job that you're about to get. Your words need to change because you're creating the world you're about to live in. All right, and the last point. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, then you can ask what you want. Uh, the third thing has to be action. It's just such an amazing story for 2 Kings chapter 4 about the widow and the oil jars. And it's almost like, okay, the oil jars are done, the oil stopped. You kind of go, oh, I didn't make it more jars. Well, but you know, we, we, the reason why I like us singing that word, he's good, he's good, he's good, because it has to be saying at least repeated five or six or eight times before we even begin to get a clue that, because in your heart you've got this lie that God's not good, and he probably doesn't want the best for me, and he's probably holding out on me, and he probably doesn't really want me healed, he probably doesn't want me having a better job than I had before, he probably just wants me to settle. It's not the God of the Bible. It's the God of your head. You got, we, we gotta get that changed, we gotta change that. So here's, here's what happens after we get a word, we speak different and we begin to act different. I love Noah because right after he got the word, he starts sharpening the ax. So we gotta cut some trees because we got a boat to build. Are you, are you? You have to start acting in line with your word. Don't wait to feel. You can't feel your way into an action. You gotta act your way into a feeling. You got, that's what you, somebody hashtag that. That was awesome word right there. But that's what I'm talking about. So here's what happened. Here's what keeps us from doing that. We're just a little unsure of what God's really like. Well, you just have not got the word of the Lord that sown right deep within your heart then. You, got, you get assurance. You get unwavering about the word. That's what you do. You start to get unshakable. So, so here's what happened within the parable of the talents. The guy that had the, got this word given to him, he got talents given to him. And here's what he did. He said, well, I buried it because I was afraid. So that's what we'll do sometimes. We'll go, mm, and then we'll bury it rather than nurture it, rather than water it, rather than tend to it, rather than act on it. We bury it because we're afraid. Are you uncertain if the Lord has a future and a hope for you? I got a word for you. He has a future and a hope for you. But it's up to you to believe it. And it's up to you to nurture it and it's up to you to act like it, and it's up to you to speak it. I can't speak or act on your behalf. It's all up to you. So this morning, I'm gonna pray for people who need jobs. But here's your part. You gotta believe that God wants you to have a job. More than that, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta believe that he's already provided you with the job. That your future is connected to what took place on the cross. And the power of the gospel is good news for you today. What does it take to, to get you to believe good news? What's it going to take? What, what's it take? Maybe just a frothy old sermon from a young, young buck who believes in the word of God. Might be what it takes. I want you to stand with me. Because 
There's some people that you specifically need a job. So I'm going to pray for you. But here's the deal. I can't get your job for you. You're going to have to make the calls. You're going to have to hustle. But I can help you believe that God's got a job for you. If you know somebody that needs a job, I'm going to pray with you. And maybe you'll have a word for these people. Okay, so I want you, if you know somebody really needs a job right now, I just want you to shoot your hand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, it's in our city. We, this is a way we're going to meet some needs in our city right now. Yeah. So, Father, Father, we know some people that need the good news that there's a job for them. Lord, I thank you that your economy is totally different than the Calgary economy. And it's not scaled to oil. It's, in fact, it's scaled to a different oil. Lord, I ask that oil flow, the anointing oil that comes down on the head and onto the body. Lord, I ask for that oil to now come down and wake up within the hearts and minds of these people that need jobs. Let them make that, let them make that call. Let them make that connection. Let them today find great hope and great light in the name of Jesus. Through those doors walk people with great hope and a great future. God bless you. You're released. Go and change your world. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.